Hey y'all, welcome to Adventures with Aggie brought to you by the Ryan Martin Foundation. Today we have with us Steve Sirio. He's a wheelchair basketball player for Team USA with two gold medals. He plays for the New York Rolling Knicks and he's going to tell us about how he found Performax and all that the Performax community means to him. Please welcome Steve. Well, Steve, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Aggie. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thanks so much for making the time. I'm excited to learn more about you and all the awesome things you've done. But first, could you just kind of start with um, some background into who you are and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So for those of you who don't know, my name is Steve Sirio. I am the co-captain of the men's wheelchair basketball team for Team USA. I've competed in the last four Paralympic Games. Um, we finished fourth in Beijing, which I don't recommend to your audience, uh, winning bronze in London and winning back-to-back -back goals in Rio and in Tokyo. Um, to provide a little bit more background, um, I was actually injured when I was 11 months old. I was born with a benign spinal tumor that went undiagnosed for the first 11 months of my life. During that time, the tumor became infected and inflamed and crushed my spinal cord, resulting in the incomplete paralysis of my lower extremity. So living with a disability, it's, it's all I know. It's all I remember. Despite it, my parents were determined to give me a normal childhood. I went to a public school system. I had able-bodied friends. I played able-bodied sports to the best of my abilities. Um, but inherently, my childhood was about fitting into a world that was not built for me. And I developed a lot of insecurities and a, a very limiting mindset because of my disability. And it wasn't until I found wheelchair basketball where I learned how to embrace those insecurities. And I learned that that by embracing those insecurities, I was able to shatter any and all limitations anyone would ever try to place upon me. Basically, a turning point in my life was when I sat down in uh, my first wheelchair basketball chair uh, when I was about 15. And basketball has given me everything that I have today. It's made me uh, the person, the teammate, the athlete, and the leader that I am. And um, I'm just so incredibly grateful that I found it. Amazing. Thank you for setting the stage. That was awesome. I know your your background is not told by myself. I would love for you to do that. So that's kind of why we're here and speaking about your story. But um, I want to backtrack. Can you tell us how you found wheelchair basketball from the beginning and just about that time when the first time you got in the chair? Yeah, absolutely. So like I mentioned, um, my childhood was about playing able-bodied sports and basically what my friends would do is they would tailor the rules so that i could just play i was a big baseball player growing up and basically when it was my turn to hit i would get up to the plate i would hit the ball and then one of my friends would run down to first and i would take his or her place when the play was over um and that was kind of the way that my life progressed until i was you know 14 15 years old where the school board basically told me i wasn't able to play for insurance and liability reasons. And that was the first time in my life I ever felt disabled. Here are these people that didn't know anything about my abilities, didn't know anything about what I could do, basically telling me that I can't play with my friends anymore. So I needed to find an athletic outlet. And through a physical therapist, I realized um, that there was a wheelchair basketball team that played 10 minutes away from where I grew up and I never knew about them. This was before social media, I might be showing my age a little bit, but this was before Instagram, this was before Google, this was before all that. So I just didn't know it, it even existed. And um, so I went down and not having any expectations about the game. I kind of thought that um, they played on these little Fisher Price hoops 
for like little kids because I didn't know how you shoot in a wheelchair. I didn't know if you had to dribble. I just literally did not have any expectations. But um, like I said, when I was 15, I went down for the first time and sat in a basketball wheelchair and just started pushing up and down the court and not having any real basketball skills attached. But it was the first time I felt free from my disability. And I knew that um, this was going to be something that was going to allow me to be the best version of myself. And um, I like to tell people that since that since that very day of sitting in a basketball wheelchair for the first time, I haven't left the gym since. That's so cool to see how you evolved as a person and as an athlete, kind of as your time went on. But I guess I want to fast forward now. Um, at what point did you know that you wanted to go high performance or that this was an option for you? Yeah, uh, to be honest, um, the high performance lifestyle was never the goal. Um, I, I got recruited to go to university uh, two years after I started playing by a number of different programs across the U.S. Um, I ended up choosing the University of Illinois, but back then it was just a way to have fun, to be the best versions of myself, to challenge myself, and then to get an education. Um, I didn't know that Team USA wheelchair basketball even existed. I didn't know anything about the Paralympics, and it was just a way to further myself as a, as a human being. And then when I got to college under uh, a pretty iconic coach by the name of Mike Brogley, he was the one that showed me how to be a high-performing person, not only a high-performing athlete, but a high-performing student and a high-performing leader. And he showed me what it was possible to do with a lot of hard work, with a lot of sacrifice and the work of my support network and my team. The uh, wheelchair, uh, Team USA came about, um, I made my first Team USA in 2005, I mean, an under 23 team. And it was uh, right in the summer but before I went to U of I. Um, and I made my first men's team in 2006, my freshman year at U of I. So that was the time when I kind of saw what was possible and I made the transition to be uh, a high performance athlete as well. Awesome. I want to talk about the Paralympics, obviously. Congratulations. Super exciting watching you. Lost lots of sleep in those weeks they were over there, but congrats. Super fun to watch. Yeah, I know that the uh, the time zones were not ideal for our support network here in the States, but thank you for supporting us. Even though you all couldn't be there in person, we definitely felt the love. Yes, I was... Um screaming making lots of sounds and in the middle of the night I'm sure my neighbors really enjoyed that but yes. <laughs> it is what it is it was well worth it <laughs> cool. but um I, I want to ask about the evolution of the Paralympics in the games that you've been in how have you seen the games change obviously uh, I guess you can take into consideration COVID if you'd like to answer in a COVID way but um just as far as media coverage goes and just kind of growing the game itself how have you seen that change over your time in this yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think the Paralympic movement and adaptive sports in general has gotten stronger and stronger as each year progresses. My first games in Beijing, that was the one where Michael Phelps basically just redefined what it was like to be an athlete. Um, there was actually very, very limited coverage of the Paralympic games in wheelchair basketball. London in 2008, that was a huge game changer for the Paralympic movement. That was um, the, the time where it was the first time where Paralympic Paralympics and Paralympic athletes felt like equals to the, to our Olympic counterparts. Um, and to be honest, as 
the Paralympic movement has progressed, the investment has progressed throughout throughout uh, Paralympics and the Paralympics athletes. So Nike has taken uh, much more of an interest in inclusion in the Paralympics. Toyota uh, here in um, 2020 has uh, donated uh, or invested an unprecedented amount of monetary funds to Paralympic athletes directly and into the Paralympic movement. And in Tokyo, there was a record coverage on NBC. So obviously the movement is progressing and headed in the right direction. Um, to be a very, very small part of it is very rewarding. It's one of the reasons why I've stayed on as being a Team USA athlete for so long. But I truly believe that the turning point moment for me was the time that I found adaptive sports. Obviously the wins are, are, are incredible and hugely important. Um, but I truly believe that adaptive sports can play a huge role in uh, people with disabilities lives. And that's what I'm most passionate about today. I'm just so happy that the Paralympic movement has progressed to cover um, a number of different sports and can reach as many athletes as possible. For sure. I think, I think just from coming as an outsider a year ago when I started this show and kind of uh, diving in head first to adapt this sport and not knowing anything about it, uh, I think Tokyo really helped educate me just as a fan. Like even those, those videos that they were putting out like a few months in advance, like what is wheelchair basketball or what is this? I think those kind of educational pieces that the Paralympic movement has started to prioritize even more recently are helping people like me who uh, talk about it all the time, but don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> but I love those pieces of it. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great point. So many people were introduced to adaptive sports during the Tokyo Games. I had a number of friends and family just taking screenshots of our gold medal game, just being on the primary NBC channel. Um, and I like it's crazy to think about how many people were just flipping channels and maybe just saw wheelchair basketball for the first time. Granted, it was a fantastic game, and I'm sorry it was so stressful to everyone. Trust me, we didn't try to make it like that. But um, just the fact that so many people could have been introduced to wheelchair basketball and the adaptive sports movement in that moment, um, it's so incredibly humbling. And um, I'm just happy to be a part of it. For sure. For sure. So what have you been up to since since Tokyo? Rest period or no rest? No rest for Steve Serial? I don't know. <laughs> Uh, well, to be honest, I have a number of sponsored obligations that um, I've so I've done a lot of media, um, you know, riding the, the high wave of a gold medal is uh, expected, but also why we do it. Um, so I've, I've had a, a wonderful opportunity to be a part of a number of Toyota events and Nike events as well in the last six weeks. Um, I've uh, worked with uh, the Challenge Athletes Foundation, which is a nonprofit based in San Diego that provides grants to kids with, with special needs for sporting equipment, which I absolutely love being a part of. Um, so we're just trying to capture as much energy from the success in Tokyo as possible and try to make the biggest impact. Um, to be honest, I haven't even touched my basketball chair. I haven't stepped foot on, on court uh, in about eight weeks. We did get a chance to play at, at halftime of the Knicks preseason game. And let me tell you, I was very rusty. Uh, so that was a unique experience, but, um, right now I, I truly believe the impact that I can have off the court is more important than the impact that I can have on it. And so that's what I've just been trying to focus on right now. 
Absolutely. That's awesome. Let me tell you also, my one of my close friends was at that game, the Knicks preseason game. Really? And he FaceTimed me and he was like, do you know these people? Are they on your show? <laughs> I was like, not yet, but Steve's coming. <laughs> that's, so awesome. that's so that's so awesome. I mean, like New York can feel kind of a huge, overwhelming place sometimes, but to kind of see those connections um, makes it super cool. Absolutely. I was like, please cheer for Steve, cheer for him. Yell yeah. For him. <laughs> yeah, I made a couple of shots. I, I did. I, I did OK. But um, yeah, it was weird to be out there. Yes, for sure. <laughs> awesome. Um, OK, I want to transition into Performax. Obviously, why we are here. Um, Performax has been super, super helpful and awesome in helping me to share these stories on my show. But how did you first join the Performax family and how did this come about? Yeah, so I've been a performance athlete since I was 17. Um, since my my senior around my senior year of high school, freshman year of college, um, I had a number of friends that went to the University of Texas Arlington. I played with an adult team my senior year of high school, and one of my teammates by the name of Eddie McGee, he went to University of Texas at Arlington and was really close with Willie. And he was the first person that told Willie, hey, you kind of have to look at this kid. From the very beginning, even before I was a sponsored athlete, uh, Performax family embraced me with open arms. Again, you're talking about a kid who didn't know anything about wheelchair basketball, didn't know anything about the history. Um, and the, they were the people, they were the first people that um, embraced me into the adaptive sports community. And um, while, I would say that it's been a big part of my success on the court. The impact that Performax has had on my life off the court is what I'm truly thankful for. Um, Willie, you know, like when Willie is a, is a mad scientist, he, he, he designs these um, incredibly durable, strong, lightweight wheelchairs. But what he's really doing is he's allowing people with disabilities to realize their true potential within themselves. And it's he's somebody that has always kind of brought that back to my attention whenever my focus tends to deviate from the true goal um he's a leader in our community he's someone who um is the 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 reason adaptive sports and the paralympic movement is what it is today is a big reason is because of willie hernandez and the work that performax continues to do not only um with the impact and making incredible wheelchairs but inclusion and equality and coming on podcasts like yours and spreading the message so um yeah that that they took a chance on me before i was who i am today and uh i'm just incredibly grateful to be a part of the performance family i think that we should make a willie fan club i feel like everyone is like so so excited about willie and i was kind of starstruck when i got to interview him on the show as well <laughs> but he definitely needs a fan club <laughs> Willie's iconic and he's such a character and to, you know, have him be the face of uh, something that people are so passionate about for so long just speaks to um, the impact that he's had on, on the community. For sure. For sure. Awesome. Well, how would you describe the Performax athletes and families or who are these people that make up the family? Well, I, to be honest with you, the, the one word that I, that comes to mind when I think of Performax is family. Um, they're some people, they're a group that um, not only makes incredible wheelchairs, but tries to bring in as many athletes as humanly possible from various sports 
obviously wheelchair basketball is a huge part of what they do and a huge part of adaptive sports here in the US, but they have CrossFit athletes, they have extreme sport athletes, they have athletes uh, on the male and female side of things. Um, they're not, they don't pigeonhole themselves and they never say, no, we can't do this. No, we can't build a wheelchair for this activity. They're always challenging themselves, which is something I love to be a part of. Um, they have an incredible presence on social media, which again is huge for the next generation of adaptive sports athletes coming up. They just do things the right way. Um, and like I said, not only are they super supportive, but the one word that comes to mind when I think of Performax is family. Absolutely. I'm, I'm jealous of your, your hoodie. I need to get a Performax hoodie too. <laughs> and they have incredible swag. So, I love it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Um, cool. I have kind of a last series of questions that we can use to wrap up the show. Um, two of them were submitted by some of our followers, which is really exciting. Um, but first one for you, if you did not pick up basketball, what would you see yourself doing? Yeah. Wow. That's a great question. And one that's really hard to think about because basketball, not only has it given me so much, but it's so much of who I am. Yes. Um, I would like to think that I am an athlete first. That's, that's kind of baked into my DNA. So I would definitely be doing something athletic, whether that is uh, racing or tennis or CrossFit. I, I really can't answer that question, but um, you know, when you're an athlete, you know it from the very beginning. And I was just not never born to sit on the sidelines so I would be doing something athletically. Um, you know, I, I would like to think that I would still be trying to make an impact that I, that I am today with um, spreading the word about adaptive sports and the impact that I can have on kids with disabilities. Um, I would hope that that would be something that I would still be passionate about because um, it's what I'm passionate about now. So um, I don't know, to be honest, I've never thought of that question because uh, basketball has given me so much and I'm so grateful for it. Uh, so hopefully we can um, allow all types of people with disabilities to find their version of what basketball has given me. For sure. When I was reading that question, I was like, I have no idea what Steve is going to say because I think Steve Serio and I think basketball. So <laughs> I'm not sure how you're going to take that, but um, yeah. great answer. I <laughs> love it. Um, I guess a follow-up to that. What advice would you give to young athletes who are looking to maybe enter adaptive sport or pick up wheelchair basketball, but they're hesitant or don't know what to do next? Yeah. Well, for those of people who are hesitant, I would just say um, you really grow and you find yourself during uncomfortable moments. For me, I didn't know anything about adaptive sports or wheelchair basketball when I went down just to try it. And that was the single most impactful life-defining moment of my entire life that I didn't plan for, that I didn't know was coming, but ultimately um, it happened. The thing I always tell young athletes is to use their losses and to use quote unquote negative experiences as a way to better yourself. People with disabilities are very familiar with that concept because not only uh, are we living in a world that was not built for us, we're constantly reminded that we have to do things differently. However, um, it makes us stronger, it makes us more resilient, and it makes us more interesting people. So for athletes, I tell them the same thing. I've learned more from my losses and my failures than I have my successes. And ultimately, I am the athlete and the player and the leader I am today because I've gone through some really, really difficult 
painful moments with a lot of the athletes that you that you talked with already previously uh, on your podcast. I have, um, you know, Matt Scott, he's, he's uh, someone I've looked up to for years, but he was my absolute rival in college. And trust me, I have lost to Matt more, way more times than, than uh, I've succeeded. And he's the reason why I, I am one of the players I am today. So don't shy away from challenges. Don't shy away from those losses. Don't shy away from those negative experiences. Embrace them and embrace them as ways to grow and better yourself because ultimately, um, that's the way I have progressed. Absolutely. I love it. I love ending the show on these kinds of like series of not at all advice questions, but themes, tips, and things to give people to take away from at the end of the show. Um, let's see another one that was submitted by one of our listeners. Um, do you have a favorite quote or motto that you live by? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. Um, you know, I think it goes back to what I just said previously. Um, I always remind myself to take the positives from every experience, no matter um, if the outcome is favorable or, or not. Um, well, you know, just thinking about it, the, the one thing I do tell myself every day is to find the power in small victories. People think that uh, teams or, or Team USA athletes are just created overnight. And what it really is, is consistent hard work and sacrifice day in and day out. So you don't just become a Team USA athlete one day. It's evolved and shaped and molded over years and decades of hard work and sacrifice. But those, the power of the small victories each and every day, ultimately you'll look back and you'll, you won't be able to understand the point at which you've gotten to. And I just went to an event recently where uh, I had all three medals on that I won all at once. And it was the first time in my life that I, that I put all three, the bronze and two golds on simultaneously. And I just remember thinking in that moment, like, oh my God, I cannot believe I've come this far. And um, that was never the goal. i never kind of took the time to embrace that in the moment. But looking back on it now is because of those small victories each and every day. That's such a cool moment. I love that you had that. And I love that you realized all of the awesome things you've done. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> um, I think that The Power of Small Victory should be a book written by Steve Serial. I see that in the future. <laughs> well, we, we don't put limits on life. So maybe uh, as I'm kind of transitioning into a semi-retirement or whatever type of retirement it looks like, uh, I'll have a little bit more free time. So that's definitely a possibility. I see it. I see it in the future. Um, cool. I have two more questions for you. These are two that I ask every guest that comes on the show. Um, but first, what or who would you kind of say is the most important person or moment in your sporting career? You can take this as the who's your mentor kind of question. Um, but yeah, I guess who would you consider somebody who really pushed you in your sporting career? Yeah, so I will take the mentor side of things. And um, there's a few people that come to mind. The first one is my coach at University of Illinois by the name of Mike Frogley. He was the first person that taught me the game at an extremely high level, but taught me what it was like to succeed on the court as well as off it. Um, Adapted sports were actually started after World War II and people came back to help acclimate them from, from the war. And it was founded, wheelchair basketball was founded at U of I. So it was one of the reasons why I attended there. I wanted to be a part of something bigger than myself. And my coach, Mike Frogley, was the one who taught me how to do that. 
uh, on the court, um, my, my old Team USA captain, Paul Schulte, he was just somebody, not only is he an icon in wheelchair basketball, but um, he was a wonderful leader and wonderful person. And I learned so much from him as I was kind of the up and coming guy. And then the other person, the guy who has um, been by my side the entire USA career, somebody I looked up to when I was up and coming and I pinched myself every single summer that I get to be his teammate. I've already mentioned him is Matt Scott. He's um, just one of the most positive, one of the most genuinely great humans I've ever met. And the fact that I get to call him a teammate and a brother and a gold medal winning teammate and brother. Um, it's just, it's just uh, incredibly, it's incredible honor. And um, obviously when you're a part of great teams, um, each of your teammates holds a special relationship to you. And I'm just really grateful that I got a chance to share those moments with a genuinely great guy like Matt. For sure. For sure. I love you have such an awesome circle around you. <laughs> those are really cool people that are on your list. I love it. <laughs> yeah, love absolutely. yeah, cool. Let's see. Last question. Um, what is one piece of advice you would give to younger Steve? Uh, you know, one piece of advice I would tell a younger version of myself is to embrace each moment. Um, ultimately, the journey comes down to a lot of highs and a lot of lows. But as long as you keep progressing forward, keep learning, keep growing, you're going to you're going to be amazed by um, where you end up. And there were plenty of moments where I thought that um, it was too, this lifestyle was too difficult. I would never be able to accomplish my dreams. I just suffered a, a really bad loss or professionally or personally. And um, this just wasn't for me. But then um, you start to string a couple of wins together. You start to see yourself become not only a better athlete, but a better person. And you know that this isn't a choice. This is just who you are. So I would tell my younger version of myself to embrace each moment because each step along the way is just as important, whether it's positive or negative. For sure. My favorite question of the show, I love ending this way, but um, Steve, thank you so, so much for sharing your story and giving all kinds of awesome advice and stories. Um, but yeah, thanks for coming on. Yeah, I thank you so much for having me. Thank you for the work that you're doing to promote the Paralympic movement and um, just spreading the impact that the sports can have on, on each person. So thank you. For sure. Awesome. Well, I'll stop recording. Steve, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Join us for another episode of Adventures with Aggie coming on Thursday.